Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 183. So I'm recording this on May 16th, 2022. It is an absolutely gorgeous day here in Boston. And while I know um, a lot of us here in the US, uh, I know I have listeners in other countries, you may or may not have heard there was a, just an awful, awful shooting uh, in Buffalo, New York on Saturday. And I won't go into the details, they're absolutely horrific. It's, it's just a constant, um, kind of thing that's happening where we're living our life and, and there are just these awful things in the news. So you're kind of, I don't know about you all, but I just feel like there's this dichotomy between you're trying to create a positive environment within yourself and in your own personal space. And yet all around you are just regular reminders every day that life is short and that there is just so many things that we need to improve in in the world, both in our neighborhoods and our own communities, nationally and certainly globally. I mean, think about climate, right? Um, be that as it may, though, uh, we try to control what we can control. And so I do hope this weekend you did have an opportunity to not control your weekend. That doesn't sound good. Um, you know, just more of doing things that you enjoy that feed your soul. This weekend, I had a chance to start planting, which is something I absolutely love. And so I was able to go to Home Depot and buy a bunch of herbs and a bunch of annuals and just really start to, to get into the garden and plant in the garden beds and put things in pots and put them on the deck. So that really feeds my soul. I love being outside and the weather is just starting to really be very cooperative for doing anything outside. So I do hope you had a nice one. And, um, you know, I wanted to start out this episode by inviting you to come to class, especially because last week I started a special Friday class for teachers where I am breaking down the anatomy behind the cues. And so I'm really kind of doing um, almost like 
what's in my head as I'm sharing the cue uh, kind of thing where you'll get to practice and hear the anatomy rationale for many of the cues that I'm sharing as you're practicing. And last week we had a good turnout. Um, I really hope you have an opportunity to show up. I know that with many of you being in different places, 9 a.m. Eastern on a Friday may not work for your time zone. Uh, if that's the case, take a look at the other classes I schedule each week, because even though they're not classes formatted like this anatomy-based one, I intentionally put them at different times. So 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m., 4 p.m., and then Friday at 9 a.m. So I'm hoping to catch people in different time zones by offering classes at different, different times of the day. So the sign up for the classes is right on my website, barebonesyoga.com, right on the virtual class page. So I hope I get to see you in class this week. Now, I wanted to start out, we're gonna do uh, a fun exercise in this week's episode. So it's definitely gonna be one where if you can listen to the latter half of this episode, sitting at a desk with a piece of paper, you're probably gonna to wanna to do that because I'm actually gonna give you an anatomy quiz. <laughs> um, the first half of this though, you won't need that. You'll just need your ears. This is just more of just a topic of conversation. And it's one that was inspired uh, by a number of inquiries I had over the past couple of weeks from teachers uh, just in different places, both physically and just in the stages of growth and development as a yoga teacher. And it got me thinking about what are the different stages of growth as a yoga teacher. And so I wanted to take the first few minutes of this episode to see if you can identify from the descriptions I wrote out where you're at. And you know, once you do that, I'm going to ask you another question, which is really, really a really important qualifier for the stage you've picked for yourself. And you know, the reason behind this exercise is to give you awareness of where you're at so that you can take right action to move forward on your journey. Because let's face it, no one wants to be in a rut. No one wants to be in a place where they're not improving. No one wants to be in a place where they're not earning good money for the teaching they're doing. No one wants to be in a place where they're stagnant right? I mean, yes, there are times that we intentionally put things on the back burner or we intentionally decide we're not going to invest in that part of our life for right now. However, there are other times when we make different decisions around that. So when we go through the quiz, you'll have a chance to identify, uh, not the quiz, when we go through, when I go through these examples, of stages, you'll get a chance to identify what stage you're in. And then the qualifying question is really gonna be able to shed some awareness and light on what your next step might be. Uh, okay, so the first stage of growth or one stage of growth, although I do present these kind of sequentially, one stage of growth as a yoga teacher is I'm brand new. I'm a brand new yoga teacher. Everything is new to me. I feel like I'm starting from scratch. I get easily overwhelmed and I'm not sure where to focus first. 
So, you know, those kinds of feelings typically come with being brand new. This might be someone who's currently in teacher training, will be graduating soon, or someone who's just graduated within the past six months. So that's brand new, everything is new. You know, this is also um, a scenario where you might feel like you have so much information in your head and you're not exactly sure how to filter it so that you can share it effectively with your students. Um, you may feel like your experience in teacher training was good. However, you're not really sure of the skills that you got out of that training that can help you move forward as a teacher right now. So that's, that's category one, brand new teacher. The next stage of growth is I'm a little experienced. I'm teaching and I feel good when I teach. And at the same time, I know I'm capable of much more. So let me read that again. I'm a, I'm a little experienced. I'm teaching and I feel, I feel good when I teach, but at the same time, I know I am capable of much more. So this is an interesting stage to be in because you can sort of stay in this stage for a long time and without good self-awareness, like years could go by. And those are years that you could be using to push yourself to grow more. And the only person that can do that is you. So this is really sort of a critical phase to be at because you know enough to kind of do the thing, right? To do, to be a teacher, you know enough to teach, you are teaching, right? So it's not like you feel like you can teach, but you don't have experience to do it or you don't have opportunity to teach. You're teaching, you're teaching virtually, you're teaching live um, and you just, and you feel good. So you're kind of feeling like, okay, this is good. And at the same time, you know that you can be doing more. And whatever more is as defined by you, teaching uh, different style classes, looking for different teaching opportunities, adding more classes to your schedule, changing up your sequences, offering your own program, creating a workshop, creating a summit, whatever it is. The third stage is I'm experienced and very stable. I'm teaching, I feel good, when I teach, I feel confidence when I teach. And at the same time, things are pretty stagnant for me. So this is different from the second stage that I just went over, because in this scenario, you really don't have the awareness that you're capable of much more. You sort of feel like this must be it. <laughs> And I can certainly tell you, you know, I've been teaching since 2003. So that's a long time, right? Over 15 years. And I never, never feel this way. <laughs> I always feel like there's more to learn. There's more to do. There's different ways I can reach people. I want to reach people you know, and, and yet there are teachers, I'm sure, and maybe it's you listening to this, that you feel like you're experienced and you feel like things are pretty much the way they're going to be. And um, so 
pick your stage, right? So let's just review. You've got brand new, everything is new to me. Second stage, a little experienced. I'm teaching and I feel good. And at the same time, I know I'm capable of much more. And then the third stage, I'm experienced and very stable with the teaching I'm doing. And things are pretty stagnant for me. And I'm not judging that. It might be stagnant for you and that might be okay with you, or maybe it's not. So once you've identified the stage you're in, now I'm gonna ask you that really important qualifying question that you're gonna to apply to the stage you're in, okay? And the question is this, how urgent is it that you take action to change your current status? Now, this is a don't bullshit yourself answer type of question. Because if you say it's really urgent that I change the place that I'm at right now as a yoga teacher, and then at the same time, you do all these other things that have nothing to do with teaching yoga and changing your position in this journey, or you talk yourself out of things, or you don't take action, right? Because there's the dichotomy. There's you saying, these are really urgent issues for me to get to. And then there's your action, your actions. And they don't match because if you're truly being honest with yourself, and if it's truly urgent to you that you change where you're at, then your actions will follow, right? It's like me saying, I really want to be more mindful. And one thing I know I can do to be more mindful in my life is meditate every day. And then I never meditate every day. Well, then it's really not that urgent for me to be more mindful. Or if I say it's really, really something that I want to do in my wellness journey is eat more vegetables, more fruit, less processed food. And it's really urgent that I do that. And then three times this week, I go to McDonald's, which I haven't been to McDonald's in 35 years, 35, 40 years. So that wouldn't be me. These are just examples, right? So you see the dichotomy. So an act, actually a better question to ask yourself is what would someone, what would a yoga teacher who feels these issues are urgent, what would that person do? Okay. So here's the thing. Once you determine the stage you're in and you qualify how urgent is it that I take action to change my current status? The next thing you're going to do is you're going to ask yourself, what are three things I can do this week to move myself closer to where I want to be? What are three things I can do this week to move myself closer to where I want to be? So this is going to require you sit at your computer, you type out something, you write something in your date book, you schedule something on your iPhone, whatever it's going to take for you to hold yourself accountable 
to doing those things. Now, if you decide I've identified the stage I'm in, I have no urgency, then you're, you're all set. You don't have to do anything. If, however, you've decided, and especially if you've decided that there's urgency, you're going to want to write out a list of three things you can do this week because here we are on Monday or whenever you're listening to this, you can start the clock then, pick seven days out and get to it because the only one that's going to change anything is you. <laughs> Sounds obvious. However, you'd be amazed at how many people spend years and years and years saying, I can't do this because of that person, or I can't do this because of that scenario. Constantly just abdicating personal control to things outside of themselves. So that's a little exercise you can do if you choose. And I'm gonna give you a special offer to set up a free coaching call with me. And I'm happy to go over with you any of the things we've talked about so far in regards to this topic, the stage you picked for yourself, why you picked that stage, what the three things are that you wanna do. I can build in a little accountability for you and follow up with you after our coaching call. The only thing I'm going to say is this, I only am offering this free coaching call to teachers who have self-identified their current status as urgent. In other words, if you're not feeling like changing your situation is urgent to you, then you're not ready for a coaching call, right? Because what's the point sort of then for both of us? right? There really is no real right time to start with where you want to go, except there is, and it's right now. However, if you are not able to see that, then you're not ready, right? And it's just going to, I don't know, take some time for you to be ready. You know, it's kind of like you can sort of, I mean, think of people who have injuries in their body, and they ignore, 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 and they never really get the injury fixed. Like I have someone in my life, actually two people in my life right now, both of whom have different physical problems, pretty serious ones. One person has a physical problem that's involving um, their respiratory system and their digestive system, and even just their ability to swallow. And then another person, that I know has a functional issue with their shoulders. And it's, an a long, it's been a long standing thing that really affects their mobility for everything, putting on a jacket, brushing their teeth, like not, we're not talking somebody who wants to do a triathlon and has to take some time off of training. We're talking basic functional ADLs, activities of daily living. And neither of these two people is doing anything about their problem which obviously would involve going to see a doctor. Hello, right? The reason I bring these examples up is because we can stay stagnant forever. The body has a way to work around functional impairments. Other muscles will be recruited. Other joints will be recruited. Muscle compensations will appear to allow the person to be as functional as they can be while not dealing with that physical injury. 
And you certainly know, you know, you can be in a relationship for a long time that's not working out. You can be carrying yourself in a way where you're in denial, where you're not being honest with yourself about all sorts of things in your life. And you can go and just live your life like that until some point where you can't. <laughs> and so all of these things that I'm talking about here are all designed to kind of preemptively cut that off and to put you in the driver's seat for your own life. And here I'm talking about it in the context of your role as a yoga teacher, your chosen path to be a teacher. Now, let's face it, if it's not the right path for you, if you really sit down and ask yourself and you decide, you know what, I really don't want to be a yoga teacher. I'm really not, this really just is not for me. That's okay. If, however, you say like, yeah, I really love teaching yoga and I'm in one of those stages and it is really urgent for me to make a change, to move forward. That's the person who's ready. And that's the person I want to talk to. So you let me know if any of this resonated with you, you picked your stage, you've identified it as an urgent issue that needs to be resolved. Send me a DM on Instagram, send me an email, Karen at barebonesyoga.com. We'll do that free coaching call and we'll see what we can kind of create for you as a plan of action. All right, so for this second part, we're going to do a quiz. So this would be something where if you could be sitting down with a pen and paper, that would be great. If you can't, you can always listen to it again afterwards. The way we're going to do this, because it is a podcast, and I don't want to make you wait until next the next episode for the answers, is I'm going to read you the question and the multiple choice possibilities. And then I'm going to pause for a moment. When I pause, stop the podcast, write down your answer, and then hit play, and I'll say the answer. Okay, that's the best way to do this in, in terms of the fact that it's, uh, that it's audio only. All right, so here we go. Here are the quiz questions. And this is a good way to test your knowledge, literally. And, you know, whatever happens, happens, right? This is not about making you feel bad or making you feel... Fantastic even, right? It's just, it's just a thing. It's just a thing to do. <laughs> okay, here we go. Question number one. In the study of anatomy, there are many different, and I wrote this quiz, by the way, this is my quiz. In the study of anatomy, there are many different systems of the body. What is the key system of the body that we're studying as yoga teachers to help us understand movement? A, musculoskeletal, B, cardiovascular, C, endocrine, D, peripheral nervous system. Stop the podcast. All right, the answer was A, musculoskeletal. We are studying the musculoskeletal system when we study anatomy. All right, question two. There are many different parts to the musculoskeletal system. Which item in the list below is not part of the musculoskeletal system? A, bones, B, joints, C, tendons, D, hormones. Stop the recording. The answer is D, hormones. Bones, joints, and tendons are part of the musculoskeletal system. 
hormones is part of the endocrine system. Okay, next question. In looking at the structure of the body, what is the name of the connective tissue that is throughout the body that supports its structure? A, connective tissue network, B, fascia, C, tendons, D, ligaments. Stop the podcast. All right, the answer is B, fascia. Now, sort of connective tissue network, maybe, but the formal term for the connective tissue that is throughout the body is fascia. The other thing though to keep in mind is tendons and ligaments are part of the connective tissue network, but they're not the actual connective tissue. They're their own structures. Okay, so that's three. Number four, what does the term MFR mean? A, muscle fascial retraction, B, major functional release, C, mitochondria functional refraction, D, myofascial release. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is D, myofascial release. All right, next question. When muscles work collaboratively to create movement in the body, we can refer to these muscles as being arranged in a certain way. This arrangement is called A, A, collaboration structure, B, myofascial line, C, joint and muscle partner, D, force of nature. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is B, myofascial line. All the other stuff was just stuff I made up. <laughs> okay, next question. In warrior two, the back hip has what two anatomical actions? The back hip. A, flexion and internal rotation. B, extension and internal rotation. C, flexion and external rotation. Stop the recording. Okay, the answer is B, extension and internal rotation. So in warrior two, the back hip, so the back leg is straight, the back hip is an extension and a little bit of internal rotation. If it was an external rotation, you would turn your back foot out, which you definitely don't do in warrior two. All right, next question. An internal rotator of the hip is A, biceps, B, trapezius, C, gluteus medius. Stop the recording. Okay, the answer is C, gluteus medius. And basically that's because the biceps and the trapezius are not even on your hip. They don't touch your hip. Okay, next one. In half moon, the student cannot see the back leg that is in the air, but needs to be aware of it in order to create stability in the pose. This ability to sense where the limbs are in space without seeing them is called A, proprioception, B, nervous system awareness, C, concentric contraction. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is 
A, proprioception. Nervous system awareness is a good one, but I made that up. And concentric contraction has to do with muscles and not the nervous system. Okay, so we got that. All right, next one. In half moon, the legs are in knee extension. What is the main muscle of knee extension? A, serratus anterior, B, psoas, C, quadriceps. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is C, quadriceps. The quadriceps are the extensors of the knee. Keep in mind though, that one muscle of the quads, the rectus femoris also flexes the hip because it starts on the hip and ends with the other ones on the knee. Okay, next one. In wheel, the hips are creating what primary anatomical action? A, flexion, B, extension, C, abduction. Stop the recording. The answer is extension. In fact, bilateral extension because both hips are moving into extension. Now they are, uh, the feet are straight. Mm, you could make a case for a little bit of internal rotation. You could also make a case for a bit of adduction, but definitely not abduction and definitely not flexion. All right, next question. Uh, okay, next question. In wheel, what action often occurs that can create compression in the lower spine? A, extension of the hips. B, external rotation of the hips. C, contraction of the abdominals. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is B, external rotation of the hips. So in wheel, people often turn their feet out. You can try it yourself. You can stand up, put your hand on your SI joint, on your sacrum, uh, open your feet and see if you feel any compression there. It doesn't happen all the time for everybody. Um, however, it is something that some people report creates some compression. Okay, so that was the next one. Okay, almost done. Which of the following muscles of the rotator cuff is the only one that internally rotates the shoulder? A, subscapularis, B, infraspinatus, C, supraspinatus. Stop the recording. The answer is A, subscapularis. The infraspinatus is an external rotator and the supraspinatus is an abductor. Okay, next one. Which muscle of the rotator cuff <clears throat> works in warrior two to abduct the shoulders? A, supraspinatus, B, infraspinatus, C, teres minor. Stop the recording. The answer is A, supraspinatus. Supraspinatus is the part of the rotator cuff that's right on the top of your shoulder there. It runs uh, right towards the deltoid actually. And the deltoid, the middle deltoid is, is another uh, abductor of the shoulder. Okay, so that's that one. Next one, the major planes of the body are A, frontal, sagittal, and transverse. B, 
anterior, posterior, proximal. C, internal, external, and rotational. The answer is A, frontal, sagittal, and transverse. Okay, next one. Do the scapula make separate movements from the shoulder joint? Yes or no? Stop the recording. The answer is yes. Yes, they do. I'm not going to go into them all here, but they do. <laughs> all right, next question. One of these movements is not a movement of the scapula, but a movement of the shoulder joint. Which is it? A, external rotation. B, adduction. C, upward rotation. D, elevation. So I'm going to read that one again. That's a little tricky. One of these movements is not a movement of the scapula, but a movement of the shoulder joint. Which is it? A, external rotation, B, adduction, C, upward rotation, D, elevation. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is A, external rotation. So adduction is something the scapula does and the shoulder does. It's also for the scapula known as uh, retraction. Upper rotation uh, is a movement of the scapula, only the scapula, and elevation is only a movement of the scapula. External rotation is only a movement of the shoulder joint when you're looking at the shoulder joint versus the scapula. Okay, so that's that. So we got four more. So next one. In the feet, the term flexion refers to what specific anatomical action? The term flexion. A, plantar flexion. B, dorsiflexion. C, supination. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is B, dorsiflexion. That's a little tricky and I can see how you might pick plantar flexion. The rationale behind dorsiflexion versus plantar flexion, when we teach the common word for plantar flexion is pointing the toes because plantar flexion is actually increasing the angle between the top of your foot and your shin. So pointing the toes is plantar flexion. When we say as teachers flex your feet, what we mean anatomically is dorsiflexion. So that's that one. All right, next one, three more. In poses like boat and seated forward fold, what part of the pelvis is anchored to the ground and is often referred to as the sitting bones? A, the ilium, B, the ischial tuberosities, C, the ASIS. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is B, the ischial tuberosities. That is the sitting bones. Okay, two more. Uh, next one. In both standing half pigeon and half pigeon on the floor, which joint is most at risk as it's moving outside its primary movement or joint action? A, hip, B, knee, C, shoulder. 
Stop the recording. All right, the answer is B, knee, because the knee is a hinge pivot joint. When we do standing half pigeon or pigeon on the floor, we are flexing our knee and also moving the shin medially, which is taking advantage of that ability it has to move um, uh, in a pivot type way, but that is not the primary way it, it's, it's built for movement. Okay, the last one. When you bend your arm so your hand moves in towards your face, your biceps is creating the bend in the arm and concentrically contracting. What is your triceps doing? A, eccentrically contracting, B, elevating, C, isometrically contracting. Stop the recording. All right, the answer is A, eccentrically contracting. When you bend your arm, your bicep is the agonist acting to bend it. And then the antagonist is the muscle of extension, which is the triceps. It's not doing nothing. It's doing the eccentric contraction. So that was it. So here's the deal, especially if you wrote down your answers, if you get, a, there were 20 questions, if you get a 17 or higher, and this is self-report friends, so <laughs> be honest here. If you get 17 or higher, you are going to get a free coaching call with me and free access to my mini anatomy course, which is basically my main program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program just the mini version, which has all the exact same steps that you go through in the full program, the course part. However, it's just a mini lesson for each one. And the reason this is so powerful is because the, one of the biggest challenges teachers have when it comes to learning anatomy is knowing what steps to take to learn it. And this is what makes my approach unique and different and so much easier for yoga teachers to learn anatomy. No one is giving them a step-by-step -step way to learn this complicated subject except me. And that's why once you enroll in my main program, you're gonna see probably for the first time how easy it is to learn all this stuff that we went over in the quiz plus everything else simply because you just follow the steps and you participate in the coaching calls with me, you have the anatomy manual, you have the practice portal. So if you wanna get a view into how easy it can be for you to master anatomy so you can really transform your teaching along the lines of confident cues and easily building sequences and skillfully and helpfully answering your student questions, the mini course is a great way to get started. So if you got 17 or more on that quiz, you get a free coaching call with me. Remember, coaching calls are part of the big program, the full program, and you get free access to the mini course. So you just need to email me, tell me that you got 17 or up, and, um, and I'll hook you up with the, uh, with the, the uh, coaching call. We'll set that up and the code to get the free course. The email is karen at barebonesyoga.com. You can also just DM me on Instagram. So uh, that's it. That's it for, for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I love your feedback and comments. I, I just got a couple emails last week from people who said last week's episode really hit home for them. It was just the kick in the 
but that they needed to get going. And so thank you. If you contacted me, uh, I really appreciate hearing uh, how, how you're enjoying the, enjoying the show. So thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next week on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you go, I want to let you know about a new mini course I just created as of October 2021. It's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program mini course. It's essentially an introductory version to my signature program that teaches you anatomy so that you grow your confidence in sharing cues and sequences and in all those conversations you have with your students. If you're like some of the yoga teachers I speak to, you might feel as if you don't have the time to do my full program. That's one of the main reasons I created this mini course, which will give you all the same steps in my signature blueprint approach to teaching you anatomy and will allow you to complete it in much less time. There are 10 modules each of about 10 minutes each, and the entire program walks you through mini lessons from the larger program. You'll leave with specific new skills that you can start to use right away. You may also leave with a keen interest in enrolling in the larger program because your curiosity and confidence have been stoked. For you, the podcast listener, I'm offering $5 off the purchase price of the mini program, which is just priced at $27, so the cost will go down to $22 for you. Once you complete the mini course, you'll see in the next step section how to get a $50 credit to put towards the larger program should you decide to invest in that in the future. To purchase the mini program, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com, click the link for online courses and select the mini course link. When you check out before you enter your credit card, enter the code podcast and you will receive the $5 off. I hope you enjoy the program. I hope it stokes your curiosity and builds your confidence. Namaste.